Hello and welcome to Radio Free Nintendo. It is September 8th, 2016, and I am your host, James Jones. With me today is Mr. Guillaume Vayette. Hello, hello. And Mr. Greg Leahy. Ahoy, ahoy, everyone. It is episode 492, which means we are eight episodes away from 500, if you count this one. Yes. And that is becoming increasingly ominous. It means we are also the relatively short window away from the 2016 Nintendo World Report telethon in support of Child's Play, which is on October... Oh. <laughs> it's just on October 15th. I don't know why I thought it was 14th, but it's on October 15th, which means it's like two weeks, or excuse me, it's like a month and some change away. Craziness. Oh my god. Yeah, oh my god. Um, You'll start seeing more information about that hopefully in the next few days from when this episode comes out. We are, the organizing team is working on it, and God help us, we'll be ready to go on October 15th. We're actually going to do it a week earlier, but then sanity kicked in. So... Look forward to that. We hope you'll join us. But this week, this week we have video games to talk about because that's what we do on this show occasionally. Uh, John Lindemann is not able to talk about video games this week. I don't know why and didn't think of a clever reason for why he's missing. Let's just assume he stars as the main antagonist in the game I was playing this week so he was busy because it's time for new business and I'm going to start it off with Vampire Master of Darkness. For the Game Gear, available for on your 3DS Virtual Console. So, oh, God. Yeah. So, I'm going to propose my dream game to you guys, and you'll understand why I'm playing this. What I really wanted to play was an 8-bit platformer with platforms that are just kind of not well-positioned. Uh, a, a, like a tall but stiff character who can jump between them with reach that's not super good as enemies come flying at him in all directions and respawn regularly if you move out of screen. Um, flying enemies that bounce around the screen in ways that make them hard to hit. In his pursuit to kill movie monsters and eventually the vampire Dracula. But since there's no games that meet that standard, I mean nothing. There's literally nothing out there like this. I had to go find... You know, a real hidden, we'll call it a gem, which is Vampire Master of Darkness, also known as just Master of Darkness in Europe because they were super into Metallica or something. Well, um, probably vampire was too violent a word. It's like uh, you can have <laughs> vampires and ninjas. Now they're heroes and uh, I don't know. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't think of anything. Just uh, delete it from the title. Yeah, so as you can imagine, this very, very creative game idea, because there was nothing like it when this game came out in the far past of 1993. There was definitely not a series that is exactly this, but slightly better in every way available on Nintendo systems. Yeah, well, that's the key word, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it is. Just, it is just the Sega knockoff, you know, the, the off-brand... Uh, yeah, you know, this like, is, let's, this is let's your... fill that niche, even though it's a bit late at that point. So, <laughs> who that. made this game? Is it uh, Sega themselves, or...? No, this game was made by a company called Sims. Soft Development Innovative Multi-Success is what it stands for. What? <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> yeah, that's that's what it stands for. Thank you, Japan. Um, it was a, it was a, co, a co-owned by uh, Sanritsu Denkiko and Sega. Um, they're also responsible for, for the WiiWare favorite, at least when we used to read WiiWare 
on the show. Derby Dog, which if I recall, had a really good description. But yeah, so we're not talking about like tip top of the development ladder here. But this, I mean, there is something about this game that I find kind of charming. And not in not in like, oh, this game's really good or this game's surprisingly good, but more in the this sure is some Castlevania, isn't it? Um, including like weapon drops that you don't want to pick up and you accidentally do. <laughs> yeah. Stairs. But un- yeah, yeah sta- the stairs, stairs are very, very Castlevania cool. stairs. Uh, the fact that if you want to use your, your sub weapon, you have to hit up and attack, which is never a problem when you're near stairs. And, um, they're kind of unpredictable trajectories. And it's the, the big difference between the two. And I, this is all I got is this one's set in Victoria, in Victorian England. So you do tasteful things like hunt down Jack the Ripper and other such oh. actual people who you are going to kill. So yeah, it's, it's, it's the penny dreadful of Castlevania clones. That's you know that's a fantastic reference. Thank you, sir. Um, this is not a good game. Um, this is a best. I will call it at best a a a passable game. Yeah, I think that's a pretty way decent way to describe it. I played this quite some time ago now. Um, so my memory of this not like great. It's quite brief. Um, not yes. as hard as as some of the tougher Castlevania games. Um, so yeah, it's kind of went by in a blur, but I, I wanted to check it out because it's got a reputation of being like a sort of half decent kind of uh, Castlevania clone. You probably would have been better if it'd come to the Master System Virtual Console back on Wii or whatever, because it's right. It is the same game, but of course the lower res uh, yep. environment means that you see less of a play field. So yeah, it kind yeah, of, that kind of makes it a bit more annoying and stuff. But you know, uh, I, remember, I remember having a certain amount of fun with it. It's 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 decent. It's kind of funny as a historical curiosity. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it is a knockoff type of deal. It's not you know gonna. Um, I mean, I, I assume I've never actually played this game, but I assume it was a hell of a lot better as a sort of portable imitation of Castlevania, the Castlevania the Adventure. Which everybody seems to think is absolutely dreadful. Oh, so, yes, as, as absolutely. I did have that going for it. Back ha- in having the played Castlevania the Adventure, yes. I mean, this is this is far and away a more like authentically Castlevania is the experience than it has that. stairs instead of ropes for a start. <laughs> <laughs> but but what's like? There's not a lot to say about this game in particular. Um, you know, it's it's. There's some curious enemy design in a maybe good way. Um, there's some some very some very strange um, boss encounters. But one of the things that I actually kind of dig about it is just that you can it, it's so clearly an eight bit Castlevania game that if they had somehow retroactively put Castlevania on this, I don't think anybody would give it a second thought. They would just say that's kind of a shitty Castlevania game. Where's Dracula? At? Why is Dracula not? so cool as he is in the other Castlevania games. But I think it could totally have gotten away with it, which is kind of impressive, all things considered. It it doesn't it doesn't, you know, aspire to, you know, the grandeur of design that is like Super Castlevania 4. Or it doesn't go out just 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 doesn't wear its heart on its sleeve like Rondo of Blood. Um it's much more, you know, a reserved kind of let's we'll call it a workman like effort of a of a Castlevania style game. But it is playable and and a lot of these kind of like sega knockoffs of things that just weren't on their system weren't especially as greg mentioned the game gear versions so credit where credit's due like they put together a 
half-decent Castlevania game. And and if you really, really, really want to play a Castlevania game but can't stand the thought of giving Konami money, let me recommend... <laughs> this is your way around it. Wow. Let me recommend There's no you... other way around it. Believe me, this is the only way. <laughs> But you hate piracy there, okay? <laughs> but let, let me recommend talk for about, you... about, like, cutting your nose to spite your face. Let Jesus. me recommend for you a game known in Japan as In the Wake of Vampire, which is an amazing title that they should have kept. Yes. Okay. In the Wake, not vampires, singular, of vampire. Not of a vampire, In the Wake of Vampire. Beautiful title. It's absolutely amazing. And I will say the uh, the box art for this is properly Castlevania, except Sega style of art. So it's it's a it's a real everything about this is a treat, uh, except actually playing it. Unfortunately, so well, Game Gear uh, emulation's pretty good. So, you know, in yeah, general, yeah, it, it doesn't just apply to this game, obviously, but uh, the M2 handled that and they did a, did a nice job of it. So oh yeah, I mean it fe- it feels good. Like in terms of the emulation, there's no. And you got all the different sort of options with like what mm-hmm. the you know the, the borders if you want to do the pixel for pixel mode and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's a good package. And and the handful of times where the game just wants to be a complete bastard, and it's like by the way, there's a enemy that's going to hit you as soon as you walk in on the screen. There's nothing you can do about it. Also, you're going to go flying off the stage. Just a heads up. Um, this now you have uh, safe states because this game likes to push you back super far when you die. Like, super far. Like, Rondo of Blood on its worst day far. Like, okay, you're going back six or seven screens. I'm sorry. And so there is a... It can be kind of frustrating. And also, your main character's name is is a psychologist named Dr. Social. His name is Dr. Social. And that's amazing. It's... it. It, it is a, an interesting historical anecdote. It's probably, as Greg sort of described it, it's probably the best way to go for this game. So, you know, it's not it's not bad. It's just, eh, it just is. So if you're a really, really big Castlevania fan, it might be worth checking out just to see. But beyond that, I'm not sure I could really recommend it because I'm probably never going to go back to it because I don't have much to say about this game just yet because I've only spent, like, the last four hours of my life with it. But, uh, Ace Attorney 6 Spirit of Justice came out today. And I've only played the first trial all the way through in one sitting because I had to get through this thing. Um, so no investigation phase yet. It it very clearly is uh, an evolution from 5. So I'm not expecting that I'm going to do as nearly as much um, scratch and sniffing as you do in the first four Ace Attorney games. You know, it's going to be a, a much more guided experience, which is fine. Um, but... My God, do the character models animate amazing in this game. Like, a lot of just... Not just detail in the characters, but detail in their movements. Um, little things, like there's a character who plays a... I can't remember what what, type, what the name of the instrument they use, but it's kind of a lute-style stringed instrument. And, like, the, the fact the strings move in sync with him playing the music. Like, it looks... It's a detail they didn't need to do on the 3DS's screen. But they did it, and I appreciate that. But again, I don't have much to say for this game yet. I only a few hours in. I haven't even seen one of the core gameplay mechanics. I've only met seven lunatics so far. Um, looking forward to meeting the whole menagerie of complete fucking psychopaths. But um, this this game knows what it is. Like this is not your first. This should not be your first Ace Attorney game. You will go. You. It's kind of like when you're in like the hot bath. You have to work up to it. 
you know, the first one you don't want to get into is going to be uh, like the really hot one because it's going to feel way too hot. You've got to work that heat up because this one is stupid and I'm, I'm okay with it. But even I, at least at one point in this went, Oof. all right, game, let's just keep going. So Yeah, but you, you always say that about almost all the games you play. No. Like when you say even I, you know, find this game really stupid. <laughs> no, this time like, really is too stupid. No, no. Th- this really. time there was there As was he a says moment he of quietly just... begs for more in his head. <laughs> there was there was at least one moment where I stared at the game and said, I don't know what you're trying to do at this point. Because it had gone the, you know, I'll give you a good example. The series is absolutely known for having pun character names. And at this point, because they're using a made-up foreign language for all the characters' names, they just said, screw it, we're just going to do whatever we want. And so, like, you're you're in the demo, you meet one of the characters, he's a tour guide, and his name is, it, they, they throw in all kinds of apostrophes and, and using, like, homonym spelling, but essentially his name is just, I'll be your guide. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to do this for every character. And it's every character, all of them. And it's just, you just think, all right, you can stop now because you spend time just trying to figure out how to sound out their names because they're super long phrases like a character's name being peace, love, and understanding. But it's not spelled like any way you'd get that. It's all kind of crazy spellings with, you know, emphasis symbols and apostrophes and shit in there. And you're like, what? how do I even say this guy's name? And you really have to decompose the pun just to have a chance at pronouncing it correctly. It's... They went too far. Like, just... <laughs> Just name a dude Stan. Just, just, just for he'll be he'll be traumatized at his name not having an alternate meeting, and and that will make him the murderer. You can go with that. Just dial it down once or twice. Like I I'm, I long for the days of stuff like Guy Ildun because he sells noodles and his his hair his head is a his hat's a bowl and his hair is noodles and Ildun is noodle backwards. By the way, he sells noodles like that. That seems restrained compared to what we're dealing with now so we'll see um but i suspect that i will have played a whole hell of a lot of that game by next week so we'll 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 have a more full report on that but i mean so far i can tell you right now did you like ace 25 guess what It, it looks like it's more of that so greg yes what have you been playing well, yeah, so uh, you've got a, quite a sort of Metroid-dominated week last week when we had the Federation Force coming out basically at the same time as Axiom Verge. I got both of those games. Haven't played too much of either of them yet, more of Federation Force so far. Um, probably got to about half the missions. Just been playing online with random people at this point. Um, but you know, it's sort of filling quite a sort of the same kind of uh, enjoyment as uh, Triforce Heroes did at a similar time last year uh, so far. Although there's a few things about it that uh, kind of help matters in that respect. In that, if someone disconnects, the 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 mission is not over, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is a nice perk to have. Like, that was always something you lived in fear of uh, when playing. <laughs> Heroes. And the other thing is, if you do kind of uh, crash out, you know, which is, is kind of more 
possible than it was uh, in Triforce Heroes. If if you do um, you know lose the level, if you fail the level, um, the, this time you know with with Metro Prime, this it's not such a bad deal because you've got like mods that you might have collected. You can still uh, you know sort of share amongst yourselves. So it's not like you kind of got absolutely nothing at that time you spent in the level before you died. So, you know, again, that was something uh, <laughs> which was pretty tough to take in some of the sort of longer uh, Triforce Heroes <laughs> levels where, you know, just just missed out uh, and you, 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 know, did, you didn't get any kind of like drops for it or anything. It was, it was just time gone, basically. So got a couple of advantages there, but... In terms of the game in general, I think first thing I've really settled in nicely with the controls. Um, since playing Blast Ball on the yeah the pre-release demo-y type of deal, um, I've settled on going with the yeah the new 3DS uh, Circle Proud Pro style you know controls uh, with the nub, but with the option that you could switch on to have the um, gyro aiming while locked on. So you've kind of got a bit of a uh, bit of both with that. Mm-hmm. It's weird the way they handle the controls rather than having them be like that customizable. You know, it's like well, there's the kind of the old 3DS, uh, you know, or non-Circle Pad Pro configuration, and then there's the new 3DS configuration. Um, but you know what that might not it might not be immediately obvious that you can still use gyro aiming with the the dual analog type setup while you're locked on if you enable that option um and yeah once i did uh that to me was uh, a, a really nice kind of improvement really does kind of feel like the lock on free aim type of uh gameplay that you had in metro prime 3 at that point um wherein you know like you can just sort of shoot something off off to the side of your primary target just quickly because you know you 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 think oh god you know maybe they're shooting at someone you know one of the team that's low on health or something you better quickly sort of snap to shoot them while you know still not taking the time to like lo- you know, <laughs> unlock on the one enemy and then lock on the other kind of thing it's uh yeah it works really well in that respect yeah. it's funny i mean I've, I've seen some complaints in reviews about the controls so i just you know i think it you know that scheme wherein you can use the nub to you know swing the view sort of in big arcs from side to side but then use the gyro for some of the sort of fine aiming is it's a great combination. I was it gets sort of it's a bit similar to not quite the same as Splatoon, obviously, but you know, similar sort of uh, thing. So uh, if people have in, you know found the motion aiming kind of useful in Splatoon, they might in this case as well. Uh, but uh, in terms of the game itself, like so far, I would say the biggest thing I've seen is kind of some of the variety that there is in the mission. Uh, types, you know, the, the, in terms of, yeah, ones where you kind of primarily like defending from a single location, or others where you're transporting something, you know, uh, over a, a considerable distance with uh, environmental hazards and this kind of stuff. Mm. I mean, yeah, there's a certain amount of uh, missions that kind of are punctuated by the you know, kill room, which you know you kind of expect to get. This is something that Triforce Heroes kind of did, um, but uh, you know, the, the the variety is impressing me so far. 
was something that a lot of the, the, the positive reviews kind of talked about um, that the Metroid Prime Federation Force has. But oddly, you know, there was this, some negative reviews that actually criticised the mission variety, which is weird. I mean, I can understand people not agreeing on the game, but, it's, you know, like that... They they are very you know they're demonstrably quite different these missions. I'm not sure how you could look at them as being that samey, but there you go. Uh, hmm. But yeah, decent going so far. The only thing I would say is it's looking to me like actual coordination would probably be required to go back and do three medal challenges. You know that's kind of how they try and incentivize replaying of levels. Is the fact that you know. You can you have a sort of overall score for the level based on a, uh, each person in the team score, and then achieving special objectives. And I guess you know you're going to need to achieve all the objectives to get three medals. Um, I've done it once <laughs> in in playing with uh, random people, which was nice. But uh, most of the time, you kind of feel like you know if you're going to do everything on time and all this because just the the uh, goodness knows how many times you'd have to play with people um randomly selected to actually achieve kind of like a really bizarre kind of grinding <laughs> you know, to play that many times until you just get a sort of the, the kind of team that uh you know it all knows what they're doing and is coordinated enough without being able to talk to handle right. it. i think i would have to you know maybe set up something with someone like you guillaume and a bit of skype or something like that and obviously that's you know there's there's a lot that goes into that uh yeah so it doesn't make it yeah that might limit its lasting value for me i think but so far i've been enjoying it and i'll certainly you know play through and um see all the missions uh before i uh, move on from it have you uh any sort of progress to report on that front Gil? well it's going to be part of my new business uh, uh oh no i'll get into that later Okay, well, uh, on that, then I'll move on to the, the the other thing I've been playing. I've played a lot of at this point is Monster Hunter Generation. So I just kind of, uh, this isn't going to be, I'm not going to stop playing it at this point, but it's probably a decent time to do some sort of wrap up kind of, of, of what's been going on with it. So yeah, basically put plenty of time in, you know, as I kind of anticipated with the, 3DS, the portability and some of the changes they made for generations, kind of a little more sort of actiony and some more conveniences and stuff. Uh, it's uh, it's it's really grabbed me this time around. I've I've been enjoying it a lot. I'm up to, I've seen this saw the credits quite a while ago. They kind of come along quite randomly. It felt like to me, it's like I did a mission. It's like why are the credits starting? It's obviously not very focused on story, this game, as you might expect, given it's this sort of mashup of past monster hunters and stuff. Uh, uh, <laughs> so that was kind of, that was a that was a long time ago. God, that might not have even been half of my playtime. Uh, I was into it when, <laughs> when those rolled around. But now I've been kind of working on getting my Hunter rank up with the, the stuff where you go to the hub. Um, not done a lot of online yet. Again, done a few with random people, um, which could be interesting, like seeing some stuff that I hadn't got to yet, uh, but still being able to contribute something of value. And, you know, you do have your, your Palico helpers and stuff to distract people normally, but... 
the 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 other hunters online are a lot more distracting for the monsters, so you find yourself with a lot more time to sharpen your weapon or down a potion or whatever than you normally do when you're playing by yourself. So it is nice. Mm. Uh, I can imagine it would be a ton of fun. Um, you know, actually with people you know and, and, and chatting and all that kind of stuff, but I haven't really got that sort of set up uh, available to me. Uh, and even, even John has, has failed me not getting Monster Hunter Generations. I can't believe it. That's just, what, what are you going to do? Uh, you, think, you think you can rely <laughs> on him for something and then this. <laughs> Why would you think that? <laughs> you don't. I suppose you don't. It's true. Like, how but... many years does he have to let us down? <laughs> he won't even hear us saying this. I mean. You could almost predict it with the release of a new uh, World of Warcraft expansion around the it's same true. time. It's true. Well, also, he had been saying that he hadn't really been touching Monster Hunter 4 all that much because he wasn't really he wasn't commuting uh, by train anymore. Right. So you know, he, yeah, no. he, he does. He's busy living in paradise, so he doesn't want to spend a moment not looking at the the absolute <laughs> splendor in which he lives. <laughs> well, uh, so luckily though, John Linderman not required to enjoy the game. Uh, I think uh, oh, everyone should be aware of that. <laughs> there's, so. there's a box quote. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like it. if John Linderman were required, they would include it. With yeah, the game, like, like, like the sort of expansion pack required uh, the logo. It's just, a very, used to have it's just a very large cardboard box in which this very small 3DS box resides with a cardboard standee. Of John Lindemann <laughs> holding the game over a bathtub. Yeah, uh, <laughs> as, I've, uh, as I've sort of gone up the ranks, uh, I'm up to six now on the rack six. So uh, it's it's interesting though because as I've gone up the ranks, you still keep seeing. I mean, some of it is kind of like oh, just kind of harder versions of essentially of quests you've done before and stuff, but. You know, they uh, you do keep seeing new stuff, you know, new monsters and different environments. I guess because they've sort of taken this, uh, you know, this sort of buffet of stuff from previous Monster Hunter games, which most of which I hadn't seen before. Um, yeah, they, you've got that kind of luxury, uh, that amount of content to kind of spread out. But the biggest thing for me going later on is that I assume what I'm seeing is the Monster Hunter 4 environments come into play because they're a lot more colourful, they're a lot more vertical, which was a big kind of component of that, as I understand, you know, introducing more about, you know, climbing and jumping and mounting the monsters and all that stuff. And so, yeah, it's kind of like, because, I mean, there's quite a few different environments kind of that you'll see early on, but they feel kind of, they do feel like kind of alternate versions of each other in some cases, and they're not functionally that different or that great to look at and then when the monster hunter 4 one's going to kick in it's like oh you know this is interesting this is nice and of course you get some crazy creatures to populate them myself i kind of i mean there's a little bit of winged serpent fatigue uh, yeah, there's a lot of them again. I'm just drawing from all these games. There's loads of them. Um, you know, and they're cool designs in themselves but you know they're kind of feel pretty similar i guess yeah they're probably the most guilt-free hunts you know because they're so fantastical and, and horrible that you know it's not as much like killing an animal as some of them are like there's this one that's like a giant uh, so, you know, obviously it's quite gigantic because they all are to varying degrees but uh sort of a cross between a sloth and a flying squirrel 
and it just oh. didn't seem right to kill that, you know, and carve it up to wear its fucking body parts all over, you know, whereas, yeah, you know, fucking dragons or whatever, like that's, that's fine, they're, they're abominations, if they're fine to kill, obviously. So, yeah, it's... Well, you know, uh, the, the, the merchant wants to send you in, a, like, the special request is, like, big puppy eyes, so you gotta <laughs> go and get them. That's, uh, you, gotta, you gotta earn those academy points or whatever. But, yeah. you know, it's... Um, yeah, you know, the weirder creatures for me definitely are the most fun in terms of their behaviours and their animations and stuff. You know, rather than just the kind of more standard kind of dinosaur or dragon-like monsters. You know, like the the crazy owl fight. You know, where it's doing the owl turny head thing while it's hypnotising you. And you know, like I said that sloth creature. Or there's a fight against the appropriately named Gamoth because it's a giant mammoth that uh, will get snag you in its trunk and just bash the shit out of you. It's uh, you know those those fights, seeing them and the way you know they sort of uh, animate the, the 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 creatures and all that kind of stuff. Is, so yeah, that's kind of a lot of the reward for for pushing on with the game. But there is also the the cycle of kind of getting more powerful as you you know, you craft all the gear and all that kind of stuff too, um, which they've made I think, seemingly I mean, it's difficult for me to offer any meaningful comparisons to my limited experience with the series, but I think they've made some conveniences there with being able to like dispatch your palicos on these like little sort of off-screen gathering quests you know, say for instance, you've just got like a couple of things you want to get from a particular kind of environment or an an, uh, monster that you need and that you go into this sort of game, this little game where you shoot them out of a cannon onto a Venn diagram, basically. (laughs) And you know, you want to get them in the appropriate circles for them to gather what you want. Uh, And then, you know, that can avoid having to just like hunt the same monster or do the same quest again, just to grind for parts, you know, so all that kind of stuff has definitely made it, uh, you know, uh, more palatable and more enjoyable to me, and just definitely being portable is a huge deal. So, it's uh, it's been going really well. I've really enjoyed it. I mean, the the fights are a bit war of attrition-ish at times for me. You know, I kind of I do like my boss fights maybe a bit more. Um, you know, sort of short and sharp. Uh, I certainly like the ones where they have sort of more complex attack patterns the most, you know, where they're kind of shooting lightning out in you know, crazy patterns and stuff like that, rather than the kind of more brute force-ish ones. But there's always, you know, the, the, the tells in the behavior and all that kind of stuff is all very meticulously done. So, you know, if you're observant and all that, um, you know, you, you'll be able to... Uh, attacking an appropriate window and all that kind of stuff. It's just, you know, that playing out over a longer period of time is not always, like, the most exciting thing, but um, there's no doubt the sense of tension that it can can breed is pretty... You know, when you've poured in a decent amount of time into a hunt and, you know, you kind of down to your last chance, you know, you can faint twice before you, uh, before you fail... Uh, and you know, sort of frantically trying to down a potion before it comes for you, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's uh, it is it gets pretty tense, pretty exciting, and uh, you know, I, I assume you know most people have probably already made up their mind about Monster Hunter, but uh, you know, if you've been close, like I was, kind of with try terms with try on we in terms of I was almost there, I was almost all the way in, but not quite. 
Um, I think Generations could be the one to get you all the way in. I mean, if if you don't, you know, if you can't sort of get down with the concept in general, I don't. You know, it's it's still very much the same game. It's not going to so, win you over. I'm gonna that. give I'm gonna give you one sentence to say like this is the push if you. We're always just kind of not there. Like, what's the one thing you think that really is going to set this one apart? I don't know. For me, I've got to be You're honest. You're writing it, a box quote for Capcom, so do all your <laughs> misspellings and poor me, English. I really like the idea of the new styles in terms of, you know, I, last time I did, like, Lance and, you know, like, the most sort of, like, remote, kind of, not the most remote, that would be the, the bow weapon stuff, but, you know, kind of very deliberate kind of way. This time I thought, with this new action style and the difference, I'm going to get stuck in. You know, I went with the dual blades, a sort of whirling dervish type of thing. <laughs> and, and, and the fact that you've got these different styles now, so I went with the aerial style, which is all about you could sort of do these dodges in which you've got to kick up off the monster and then attack it on top, and you could use that to mount it, which is kind of important because, like I said, with the regular environments, there's not as much vertical real estate kind of to, to do those jumping attacks without doing this sort of aerial combat so just I, I would say the thing about the styles is that it gives you a kind of customization you know if there's a particular way that you feel like yeah you know that seems like a cool way to go after these monsters then you could probably sort of find something within that range that sort of is more of a fitting expression of how you want to fight these monsters you've always had the weapons before of course you know that th there's always been that but now with the combination of the weapons and uh the, the the hunting styles and then the hunter arts which are like the super moves type of things you've got a lot of customization for the sort of the actual gameplay style that you want to play with not just you know the appearance or the gear or the elemental types and all that kind of stat stuff the more mm. substantive experience kind of elements you can customize so for me you know the style i kind of envisioned has worked out really well i'm really enjoying it um but you know it might have been this like ah, actually yeah, that's not really working i'll try something else you know and that's the thing there is a bunch of different ways to play so i think that would be the biggest thing for me is it's just got a bit more of that kind of customizable kind of to your tastes in play style that it might be able to you might be able to find a sweet spot you couldn't before mm, that's good so like uh, that's always been kind of the thing. I was never able to just find my groove in this game. Right? Game, it felt so much like r to really get in there, you had to find you know the pattern that works for you. Like this is this is how I like to hunt. And besides being an asshole with John and be like, "Hey, John, I'm gonna try out the insect glaive." This this hot <laughs> this like incredibly low skill floor weapon, where essentially even if you unless you're really good with it, you're going to be useless to the party. I'll let you do all the work. Like, besides doing that, it never really <laughs> felt like there was something there that, like, this is how I'm comfortable playing. I always felt yeah, like... Yeah, I guess just the fact you've got, like, so much more options than ever that you yeah. know, I feel like it is going to be, unless it's a bit more kind of action-focused and friendly. I mean, like I said, this is me with the dual blades and the aerial style, you know, you could really kind of be aggressive and get stuck in and stuff, but it's still, it's still Monster Hunter. You know, you still have that stamina meter... 
you 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 still have to pay attention to the behaviors and the attacks of the animal and you know all that kind of stuff you you can't just button mash or attack 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 you know you've got to pace yourself and pick your windows and really really get stuck in when everything's right you know and you've got that window to just deliver a whole ton of damage you know but uh, i think i think there's definitely more capacity for people to find a groove than there was before so you know there, there's a I, th I feel like uh you know they're building you know a fan base with it and maybe the, and the more people you know try this one i think it might be the the most accessible one yet cool all right guillaume yeah, so uh, first I'd like to talk about uh, uh, an eShop game I've been playing on Wii U, Nova 111, uh, which is published by Curve Digital. And uh, I wasn't really planning, and it's uh, developed by Functronic Labs, I don't know what else they've made, but uh, I wasn't really planning on getting this game. Uh, I had seen the screenshots and didn't really speak to me, and I tried to read a few reviews and I didn't really get it. Um, so I wasn't really you know, planning on getting this, but then Curve Digital had kind of their fire sale where they were selling everything, most everything of their games. Must go. Yeah, uh, all their digital stuff must go. Um, and yeah, like almost all of their games were $1, which was like, I was okay, I can give anything a shot for that price. So uh, I finally picked it up and, and I'm, I'm glad that I did. I'm really glad that I did because it's a... Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal Zach's words from his reviews. Uh, his review, uh, he says that it scratched a niche that he didn't know he had, and it's kind of the, the same case here. Like it's like, wow, it's everything I didn't know I always wanted. I don't know. A few weeks ago, I would have uh, described it as the, a, a roguelike, maybe, but it's not really a roguelike because it's the levels are designed; they're not random. And, but but the way that the game plays like as when you move the enemies move you know it's a turn-based affair um, except when it's not so the the thing here is that like you're playing some sort of scientist in a ship and there's been like an accident in the lab and time has been fractured or something and now you're kind of yeah you're you're moving around uh, you know like on the kind of an xy grid i guess like it's it's not visible but like you know like you can move one uh square in every direction and so do the enemies and uh, so when you move they move and uh you got to figure out how to get around enemies how to attack them safely uh without them attacking you but the the added wrinkle here is that there are also real-time elements so you know you might go under a stalactite and as you know video game stalactites do it will start kind of you know shaking immediately when you get under it and then it will fall and if you stay under it well you're gonna you know you're gonna get damage but the stalactite falling is actually in real time your moves are in are turn-based the enemies are turn-based so the game sets up quite a, a many situations where it kind of tricks you into reacting quickly to stuff that you don't need to react to quickly because it's turn-based and, and vice versa. Like kind of, Sometimes it tricks you into kind of like, oh, I better take my time here and, because like all these enemies and I, I don't want to, you know, 
if I move, they move. So I, I've got all the time in the world to, to think about my strategy here, except that there might be, you know, they're, they're going to put some timed element in your way where you're going to have to think fast. Otherwise, you're, you're going to get damage. So yeah, so it's a, it's a concept that I didn't really, you know, it didn't sound like it would work on me, you know, on paper, but then I, I'm playing it and I'm really, really into it. And uh, I said I, I was looking at screenshots and didn't really look like much to me. And I, I guess it's because the the art style, like it's very kind of, uh, it's got this hand-drawn quality, but, um, you know, the, the, the world is kind of... Uh, all these rocky surfaces and it's very I don't know hand drawn with a very fine pencil with pastel colors so it's hard to make out details um, when, when you're just looking at a screenshot but then when you're playing it it actually uh, it actually looks kind of great and uh, I kind of love the uh, you go around the levels and you rescue these uh, these people these scientists that have been stranded in this new kind of fractured world and uh, I just love the animation of them just kind of frantically waving at you like waiting for you to rescue them uh, so so the the game kind of looks better than you would you would think it does and on top of that um, I think I've expressed my distaste of uh, kind of uh, video game humor or indie video game humor. I was not too much of a fan of the, the you know, the dialogue in Dragon Fantasy. It, uh, it, it largely tries way too hard to be irreverent. Right. And, and like, at some point when you ground your humor in nothing, mm -hmm. you're not funny. Yeah. And you just come off as a pretentious asshole. <laughs> right. And then you become funny because you're such a pretentious asshole. <laughs> Yeah, well, sometimes you don't even achieve that. But That's true. Uh, here in this case, the the writing is actually really funny. Like it's it's not making me cringe; it's making me laugh. And um, you know, I, I'm not gonna try to kind of recount like what the dialogue is like because it never really plays out, and I've got terrible delivery. But uh, it just works, you know. Like you'll have, um, you know, like one line of dialogue from your dude, like this uh, doctor of science, which you know at first I thought, oh, okay, this is gonna be cringe worthy. It's gonna be you know lame internet humor but actually like it turns out that you know the, the scientist who's kind of a you realize very quickly is kind of a loser um what he says is actually you know actually clever and funny and uh the, as you move around the levels like you'll get like one line of dialogue and you kind of like oh, okay like you, you kind of shrug it off and then you get far enough into the level and then he adds something on top of that that's just like what the hell you know like it, it just jokes are being set up without you even realizing that a joke is being set up you know um uh, i don't know like I, i'm just i'm really impressed with the way this this game is put together and uh it, it's entertaining enough that you know K karen doesn't always watch me uh playing games but she was just like we were she was on the couch and on facebook and she she kept being distracted you know like kind of always glancing at a TV to, to see like where the where else the game would go and uh, I don't know like it, it's just like it's this surprisingly entertaining game that I, I really uh, I kind of fell in love with so yeah so to give you a little bit of background on what Fucktronic does uh, they're they're primarily in the in I'm using quotes here experience their words not mine business mm. okay uh, they're, they're heavily invested in VR experiences and like um art like using 
interactive software as art versus games. This is actually one of the few things they themselves made that they call games. Um, so I'm kind of surprised to hear that it's actually fun. Um, yeah. Because I've definitely said bad things about interactive experiences on this show before. Um, but, just you know, they... I, I can see why the presentation in this game, because looking at video of it right now, like, it works. And it works because they themselves are artists, and this is what they do. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm, I'm ple- pleasantly surprised by your your uh, your review. I'm actually give this one a look, because I would have never, ever, ever, even at a dollar, I would have found some other curved digital thing <laughs> to do for a dollar. Yeah, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a tragedy. Like, I, I feel bad that I only paid a dollar for this, but at the same time, like, I wouldn't have bought it if it hadn't been a dollar, so, you that's, know, it's That's just... 37 cents more the developers got than they wouldn't have got, so. <laughs> sure. But, um, yeah, and I hope, I hope, like, Curve Digital, I I haven't really heard much from them about like they they haven't been bragging about their Wii U sales or anything so I assume they've been good enough because they they've kept porting stuff to the Wii U but yeah. they're one of the rare uh, publishers of uh, indie wares out there who are still kind of providing Wii U with games like they're one of the rare uh, outlets out there just. Uh, still giving us kind of parody with the PlayStation 4. You know, like this game came out on PlayStation 4. I'm not sure PlayStation 3, but also came out on Wii U. And that's just not something that is happening with a lot of games right now. So, uh, right. in fact, ports are being canceled left and right right now uh, yeah. by, you know, stuff that was uh, kickstarted uh, two, three years ago and had kind of a Wii U stretch goal. And now they're like, well, you know, like, I don't think we can make this anymore. It's not really worth it. So yeah, or or in the case of of um, uh, what was that ninety? Was it nineties arcade racer? Just right. just change the name and forget you ever mentioned the Wii U. Yeah. Because, because guess what? Guess who? Guess who's publishing that game? Oh yeah, those yeah, Nicholas. <laughs> yeah, because they don't fucking care. Yeah, so I I really hope that Nintendo is kind of cajoling uh curve uh digital and just you know kind of giving them something because I want them to stick around for the NX. Otherwise, uh, I don't know. It might be slim pickings on the eShop. But uh, yeah. anyway, so I love this game. Nova 111. It's it's pretty great. And, cool. Uh, yeah. So uh, my other, the other part of my new business. So last week I didn't edit because I was away at a wedding in Detroit. So that was... 10, 12 hours of driving, got stuck in traffic for two hours, um, and then like spending a day around Detroit, like not not in Detroit, but like in that area, and then 10 hours of driving back. So it was very hectic, very tiring, um, and um, well, I'll get to that later. But uh, first, the hotel I was staying at had an AT&T Wi-Fi hotspot, which meant that I had all the street passes that I could possibly get. Like I had constantly like every, I don't know, four hours or so I would get two batches of, of nine street passes. I, I I think there was something like, I think my uh, 3DS like has something defective about it because I could not get 10, just nine. But anyway, so because of that, buy I was the like, premium well, upgrades. I, I did go and buy the premium upgrade. 
Fuck because you, I was Rube. like, well, it's worth it. Like it's uh, even if just for this one weekend. Like I'm gonna leave here. I'm, I'm gonna have a hundred street passes, and uh, you know, that's that sounds like uh, happiness. Already, but- <laughs> we find that that's not that's not how this works. Yeah, no, I found out that uh, you still have to greet uh, the street pass people ten at a time. And what happens is that you can send them to kind of a lobby area, waiting area. So all it does really is that you don't have to play through your games right away. Uh, but it does mean that you have to check on your, you know, you have to check your 3DS every 10 street passes, you know, to accept, to greet people and to, to you know, to get them so that you can get more street passes, uh, street passes afterwards. So first, like, the, you know, like... Putting that behind a paywall is kind of shitty, and also, you know, it doesn't work as you would hope that it would, you know, that you can just straight away, like, just get 100 street passes without thinking about it, without taking your 3DS out of your backpack, or whatever. So that was a disappointment. Um, But even more disappointing is that, uh, so, you know, like, nice wedding and everything, very tiring, the next day... So eager to start the drive back to Montreal. And I think at some point, I must have been, I think I got distracted by like broken glass on the ground in the parking lot or something. And I put down the bag in which I had my 3DS and in which, like the gift bag that uh, for like the Karen's gift to her father for his birthday. And then I just never picked it back up. Oh. So. You know, and never looked into the rearview mirror, because why would I? I was leaving a parking lot. So, and I might even, I don't know, I might even have driven over it. Like, just, (laughs) anyway, I I thought a lot about this. Summarily executed. Yeah, because, like, I got to Montreal, and then I realized, oh, shit. Like, Karen is like, where's my, you know, the, the gift I bought? Like, I don't know. And then later I'm just, you know, and I already I'm like, oh, maybe I lost it. I'm sorry. Like, I, I think maybe I carried it to the car wait a minute, where's my 3DS? And then it really hit me, you know, like that feeling like, oh, fuck. Like I, all these saves, all these street passes, all my games and like an expensive system. And I'm just like, ah, come on. Can't believe I did this. Yeah, it took me a while. Like I was really angry that night. And then next day I was just grieving and I drowned my sorrows in chocolate milk and, uh, (laughs) But now I'm okay. I'm like I'm back into I'm kind of the in the acceptance phase, and mm. uh, I, I'm just like you know what maybe this is an opportunity, first to like some Detroit kid who might you know be really happy right now to have all these games, but also like I, I've kind of felt like the weight of my, uh, uh, my my backlog. So maybe this is kind of an opportunity to to give the PSP some love instead and to play uh, through my backlog. And to kind of forget about the 3DS for a while. And, uh, of course, I looked up, I shopped, uh, you know, online to see how much buying a new 3DS would set me back. And uh, they're really expensive in Canada. In fact, the new 3DS XL is 10 more dollars than it was when it launched. So, you know, F that. <laughs> I decided I'm going to wait for a sale, you know, like wait until Black Friday, wait wait until Christmas. But yeah, I'm not replacing my new 3DS XL quite yet. Karen has my old 3DS, so I can borrow that for Dragon Quest, uh, which I don't think uses the new 3DS uh, 
hardware well, in any way. It was made so. quite some time before yeah. the new 3DS. So <laughs> I should be fine, you know, and I'm still going to be uh, able to... Uh, to, to kind of play the games as I get them. The, the, how, much the, the, is, how much is Karen going to see that 3DS on Striker Quest hits exactly? Well, I am, I'm, you know, just the. Uh, she she plays it on the um, when she's commuting on subway. Oh, I so, see. so I, and I, I'm biking to work, so she, yeah, she she's going to get it during the day. She's going to have her pocket car jockey, and uh, I'm going to be able to play uh, Dragon Quest uh, anyway. Sometimes. <laughs> when, when she's not on the 3DS. But uh, yeah, the big casualty here, of course, is the game I had in the 3DS thought. Uh, Metroid Prime Federation Forces. No, it was in the slot. Yeah, I thought it might have been. <laughs> yeah. So I had gotten that, pr- that, that game for a special price because I had pre-ordered it. So, you know, like a $40 game. It was, it was a good deal. And uh, I enjoyed what I played of it. But I, I'm not going to play it on non-new 3DS hardware. And I'm probably not going to replace it with a copy that's going to cost me like 60 bucks, A hundred game, a hundred dollars for Metroid Prime Predator for, uh, Federation <laughs> the Forces. The only man alive paid that much money. <laughs> yeah. There's not that many of us who bought it at all, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> they bought it twice. Oh, like, God. I, I, want, I want to give it a, you know, I wanted to give it a shot, but it's a little bit much to ask, you know, to, to have me buy it twice. So a little again, bit, It's a little bit much to ask? Yeah. Well, maybe maybe I'll find a used copy soonish because not everyone loves it. So I, I would, I'm hanging I mean, on, hang on to that on, hope. Based on the sales, I don't know if there will be, ever be any used copies of this game. Well, Metroid Other M was not popular and kind of dropped in price quickly. So maybe we're going to see yeah, that. Yeah, maybe you'll get a new they, copy. Uh, they did kind of, I, I think that was a case of you know, oversupply. Um, mm. But given the fact that Nintendo seemed to accept and brace itself for the negativity <laughs> surrounding yeah. this Federation Force, they would have been very silly to oversupply it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, yeah, my street passes dust forever. Oh, um, it's, it's, it's tough. Oof. Yeah, and, and uh, Carly on Twitter said, uh, that's why you always back up, you know, every month. Is Yeah, isn't that really slow on new 3DS? Because the, the backup has to be wireless. You can't just, uh, you know, because the micro SD, like, behind you have to unscrew the back and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, have to do surgery on it, essentially. You're not going to yeah. be doing regular physical backup. If you've got any consideration, amount of data on that card mm-hmm. then to Which back up then it will take a it takes long a little while yeah i mean up gig- i mean i've put podcasts on there sometimes to, mm-hmm. to listen and that takes a few minutes even if you're talking about 100 meg you know, right 100 megabytes you know gigs of information that would be cumbersome to back up in that sense the old way where you could just easily remove the sd card and 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 you know on the old 3ds and the xl and just bang it straight in and copy many gigs pretty swiftly was was more um more convenient yeah so i i got a lot of uh messages of condolences on, on twitter so thank you everyone and uh just uh oh god they just, the smash brothers file i would if, if i ever lost that it would hurt so much <laughs> all those challenges oh Better do that. Yeah, you should do that backup right now. It's uh, 
It's on my new 3DS. It's just, it's just like, get, oh, the, get that screwdriver out, son. One day, yeah, yeah it probably it is worth it. I think. I mean, like the 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 my XL, I've backed that stuff up loads of times. I uh, mean, but, so yeah. the, so the thing is, the the record this show has with losing DSs oh, and 3DSs God, is yeah, yeah. is is nightmarish. So you should probably mm. stop recording right now and get to work because because <laughs> yeah. it might actually already be it gone. Might, yeah, it's it your turn now. Yeah, I guess I, at least well, mine I mean, is it's kind probably of... mine because I've never lost a system ever. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I haven't lost systems, but you know, it's uh, I've, I've lost saves due to just cartridges wearing out or whatever. That's bad enough. That Imagine losing all toys. your saves. Yeah, that's that's the real pain. But you mm. know, I've kind of got things split between the the XL and the new 3DS. So I guess that that's the benefit of that is you can't lose everything at once. You know. Oh, yeah. I so yeah, I'm gonna be new 3ds this uh, for the next couple of months. Um, but I'm still gonna be talking about Nintendo stuff. I've got plenty of uh, Curve Digital games obtained for one Yeah, I was gonna to say go it would have to be. Will it? I mean, it's so I for the record. I mentioned buying, <laughs> buying those games. I was like, I haven't got around to playing them yet. Just, like, yeah. just couldn't say no at that price, but um, yeah, all those hot Wii U releases that you got coming to you—that's that's really gonna <laughs> sustain us. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I I guess that's all we got for new business this week, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for new business this week. After the break, we will be back with. Oh god, I'm afraid to say it, but an attempt at a, the first in months, the Lords of Thunder Round. Stay tuned. Time for listener mail. That's a sick. Well, is that your is that your tribute to the fiftieth uh, anniversary of Star Trek? There, okay. Yeah, there you go. I was actually throwing my head down for emphasis on the sound because you can hear me eject the sound better that way. But it is time for listener mail, and we are actually going to attempt. God help us. We are going to attempt to do a Lords of Thunder round. I'm not going to say the voice because I don't feel like we're going to be successful because we've tried this in the past and I've screwed it all up. But you can send us your email to equally screw up to RFN at NintendoWorldReport.com and I have the first email. Somnid writes, Hey RFN crew, I was curious about your thoughts on Nintendo's pricing announcement for Mario Run. It certainly is a deviation from the other free-to-play mobile games and the Pokemon sla- and Pokemon Go slash Mitomo. It seems like they will be leaving a large amount of money on the table from bad players with deep wallets. Though at the same time, I'm sure they made enough from the Apple exclusivity money to bankroll this and then some, and perhaps the strategy here is based on, quote, mobile upgrader theory, rather than pure money-making. How much do you think they should charge? And how much could they get away with? And how much would you pay? So, the Apple exclusivity money, 
I thought it was going to be a lot, but based on what I've been reading and hearing, it's probably not a huge sum. It's not a tiny pittance, but it's mostly in, in promotion um, because, of course, it's not permanently Apple exclusive. It will eventually come to Android devices. It is a timed exclusivity. Uh, there was some weird information about that. That's it, My understanding is that it's still the case. Like I, Based on the most reputable sources I have read from, that seems to be the case. Um, right, so, it's uh, coming to Android next year at the earliest. Right. But, but the game for um, iOS is coming out in what, November? December, I thought. December? But, oh, yeah, well. so, something like that. Yes, late this a year. A whole month of exclusivity, at least. Yes, um, so it's not like it's going to be a dramatic sum of money for this. But, regardless, um, Nintendo said when they first started talking about mobile that they weren't going to go after whale hunting. Like Iwata himself was pretty, pretty upfront about they find some of the the pricing models in mobile games to be um, predatory, and they weren't, they didn't want to be part of that. So I don't find the idea that they're not whale hunting here particularly surprising. Mm-hmm. I mean, is anybody here shocked? Like this seems well, maybe not, but I mean, there is a difference here in terms of this is apparently not going to have any kind of microtransactions at all even if it's like i mean people talk about mitomo like it's not that aggressive you know uh you know it's, it's, it's not that sort of predatory or whatever but it still has microtransactions oh i where... think the question here is like if you were going to put microtransactions around this how would you do it yeah and and the way that you do it might seem a bit distasteful i mean i think that that comes to the um the point as well about you know the whole upselling or you know like sort of using it as promotion for mario games in general all that kind of stuff is that you know if you are trying to kind of achieve uh you know get bringing players into the regular mario series that's probably not the way to do it um you know maybe it would make more money if you're just trying to maximize revenue off this product perhaps that would be the way but because you know they're it's supposed to be about you know kind of raising awareness and uh you know kind of lifting up their their ip rather than like trying to having it become associated with you know these predatory microtransaction practices and you know maybe well my child racked up however many thousands of dollars buying mushrooms or whatever you know that that, that would be We've bad all been PR. There. <laughs> it would be bad PR you know and, and would be counter to the overall you know sort of uh, macro strategic goal they've got uh, with the mobile initiative of uh, you know kind of uh, emphasizing their IP and bringing it into a new audience and kind of, uh, you know, trying to make people think positively about Nintendo rather than, you know, this, this sort of ruthless commercial enterprise. Hmm. I kind of, uh, I don't know, I kind of think, uh, I'm not sure if they're really going to use this to be like, well, here's a mobile Mario game, now buy the NX. Um, I, I, I think that they might try to make money off of it, like just you know for from the thing itself and oh, sure, I, I yeah. think but but more than that like I, I think that the price might be kind of shockingly high for some people like i am mm. thinking you know like square enix release like I, I think that nintendo probably believes that they can get away with that because of their name because of mario yeah. um 
And also they might think that for all the people that, you know, it's still kind of free to start, you know, you will be able to download the app for free and, and, and play some amount of it for yeah, free. Right. So I think they'll probably see that as achieving some of you know, the goal in itself. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, they'll set the price at such a level that, you know, well, obviously they're anticipating having healthy sales, but, uh, you know, it may well be a, a very small fraction of the people that just download it in general. Right. Um, and, of course, the I would imagine the, the timed exclusivity deal. I mean, it was it was the only part of the Apple press conference that people didn't think, this is the dumbest shit ever. Why are they taking away my headphone jack? Um, because it's the only part that wasn't about that. At least in the eyes of, of internet reaction, like it's all about for them promotion and making sure this thing is well known and, and in, in front of people's eyes. And it took a while actually for Pokemon Go to get into featured slots on the two app stores. It just did. Um, you know, feature slots are often driven by money. They did it. They did eventually get there and it was good for them. This will obviously start there. And that's good for eyes. That's good for getting this thing in front of people and getting people to play it. Um, there is a lot of hemming and hawing online uh, by self-styled experts who talk about all kinds of fucking nonsense um, to give you to give you some hints. This does not prove that Nintendo games work on mobile because this is not a Nintendo game. This is a goddamn endless runner. Well, it's, I don't think it's endless. No, no, no. We're going to get angry emails. Not endless it's, runner. These has, are design a, levels with flagpoles at well, the like end. I said, Thank this you. Is a, this Photo isn't, runners. If Photo you had runners. Just, if you had let me, if you had listened, I said, this is an endless runner with endings. So it's just a, it's just a runner is all it is. Um, yeah, but it, it, that's what I mean. Like I've, I've said when we talked about the possibility of this, I've kind of felt like endless runner would be about as creatively bankrupt as you can imagine. This is somewhat less creative. No, it's not. It's the same fucking it's gameplay. Pretty much. Well, you know, it's 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 looking. They may as well pr- play Super Mario Temple Run. It's like, looking extremely, it extremely safe. You know, you've basically got the new Super Mario Brothers aesthetic already in play. You know, it's all those assets yeah, I mean, it's not, you've, it's... you've seen before, uh, you know, in place. And then it's just, well, hey, Mario's moving by himself. It's, it removes some pretty considerable aspects of the Mario Absolutely. game. Absolutely. Like, sure. So important, the inertia and uh, you know, the way you move the character and all that. So I don't want to downplay that because that's a big deal. But, you know, they're trying to say, oh, well, you know, you can play it with one hand while you're eating or whatever. So you know, it's, I it's can just do a lot of things with one hand. What's your point, Nintendo? Very much in the, the casual kind of realm, I guess. You know, they don't really feel like they can uh, it's, you know, achieve anything uh, is, like, uh, approaching the sort of proper Mario it, gameplay with with the you know the, that device i i think it's it's possibly the like if if you're reading an article that says that close the article immediately that person has no idea what they're talking about because it says exactly what greg just said they look at this device and say the best we can do is a subset of the core gameplay mechanic of a game we've been making for 30 goddamn years and like that's that's pretty telling um but also possibly telling is the fact that this that this game is a promotion like like it's like this is so clearly a promotional product um other red flags include if they mention tokyo in the article because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about then <laughs> um a, tar- a startling number have said that the team from tokyo is finally i'm like no 
that team didn't make this game. And that's not where Nintendo mostly is. Like, for fuck's sake, um, this 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 has fueled Think Peaceopolis, and it's it's, oh, it's got me upset. Um, nah, saw- yeah, I, mean, I, I would. I mean, it, it so so looks like an investor appeasing kind of oh, thing yeah. as well. It, you it, know, it, I mean, it, 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 I mean, I think it does serve their strategy, you know, which I think is more their kind of longer term, you know, bigger thinking strategy about you know raising awareness of of their characters and you know, not having. But at the same time, it's very much like, yep, this is exactly what they were envisioning. You know, those investors when they first talked mm. about the DNA part. When they said, "Can you and, make can you make it more money so Mario jumps higher?" That when, is the thing a real <laughs> yeah, investor true, once that, asked. Yes, this, could that you pay was money? what they were envisioning. So we should be thankful right. for small mercies, I suppose. But but, but you know, when they've got me Tomo, is like, why isn't it this? And, oh. and then you know, Here nine is, months assholes. later, they will get this. <laughs> right. So I, I, I really. Um... I don't think that Mario really needs more recognition. <laughs> no. But I, I'm thinking the way that they might want to leverage this uh, mobile release, uh, like to, to use that as leverage for, for to sell some NXs, might be something like, well, here is kind of the sequel to Super Mario Maker, and uh, exclusively on the NX, you can create levels for Super Mario Run. And... Uh, then, you know, like if you've got both ENX and Super Mario Run, you can play user-made levels. Uh, if you don't have DNX, then you, you have to pay a supplement to have access to user-created levels. Something like that. Yeah, which, um, I mean, it's it, it's. I mean, one of the things that's kind of interesting does look like you kind of take in the, uh, the coin rush kind of aspect of, of two. Uh, New Super Mario Brothers 2 to some extent and you know it's sort of the, the, it's all about the, the, the challenges mm-hmm. you know like one person gets it and then Toadette uh, substituting him for Judd from Splatoon in terms of uh, giving the flag to the winner uh, I know <laughs> for some reason that's random imagery but there you go but you know that that was a cool one of the cool things that came out too with the, the street pass sort of feature that you had there um, but of course you know outside of Japan especially that only has so much kind of reach uh, a feature like that so i could see them thinking yeah you know this is a way we could kind of expand um the reach of something like putting on something as ubiquitous as, as mobile but uh yeah i mean i just uh, i feel like um pricing wise it'll be interesting to see you know, how they handle it in terms of you know how much sort of content they think they've got in terms of you know right really, though these are going to be pretty bite-sized levels um mm-hmm. you know, appropriate to the medium and something you play with one hand while standing on the subway or as Miyamoto sort of suggested it could be played Um, though a question is I mean how many of those sorts of levels you know how long could you string those together to justify a given price you know I mean it's uh, it's an interesting kind of um, notion and and also vis-a-vis you know an actual new super mario brothers game um you know what does you know how much is too much in terms of uh you know maybe compared to what people are willing to pay but then how much is too little in terms of this problem they've said about devaluing you know the uh the you know their ip and and games in general and all that you know that that's going to be a real balancing act there uh, but but like, what would I pay for this game? Nothing. This game has zero interest to me whatsoever. The idea of playing Mario with just my thumb sounds 
haunting. Hmm. Uh, um, what about you guys? Oh yeah, I mean, I I don't do mobile games at all. This is not uh, at the pre- present, and this is not going to get me into them. No, no, yeah, no my phone is five years old, and it's not going to play this. It can't play Pac-Man two fifty six. It it won't be able to play this, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just doing Twitter really on my phone and nothing else. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, again, I don't think the market will be able to sustain a premium. And I use I use quotes very, very extensively on that line uh, <laughs> price for this game, and I don't think they're going to price it that way. And your answer is bite size pricing. Maybe for... that worked better, yeah. And then hopefully, I suppose they would hope that people keep you know sort of buying packs or keep playing it because like I said the social aspect maybe of of competing yeah. against other people's times and stuff, and just the fact that it is sort of ubiquitous will you know hopefully kind of make give it a sense of value. Um, Push notification: you know... new packs available for Super Mario Run. Because that yeah. that is always the you know the thing with these mobile games is you know why does something become relevant while others don't when they're all kind of similar and it, it oftentimes it can be difficult to understand why. In this case, you know you've got the Nintendo IP; it's kind of an historic thing. Um, you know you've had you've seen with Pokemon Go. You know once something kind of catches on, then uh, it takes on a life of its Pokemon own. Pokemon like... was always going to be different, though. Oh, and, and, and I would say the AR stuff makes that really different too. Yeah, the, but the, I mean, it, po- it, it, it brings a totally different social element. Right, um, but, but Pokemon was always going to be nuts. Like, we knew but that. What, what I do is, once it takes on a kind of a life of its own and it kind of takes on this importance that, you know, other free to play games do not. Then right. all of a sudden, people will sort of inexplicably seem willing to just pour money into it. Yeah, uh, you know. So that that's uh, yeah, that, including that's investors. Different... Yeah. <laughs> Very inexplicably pour money into it. In in some cases, yeah. Inexplicably for the company into which the money is being poured. But yeah, naturally, you know, again, the the least we could say with the the uh, the uh, stock price spike associated with Nintendo and DNA. In this case, at least it's you know. Somewhat, it's, it's not, somewhat more justified. It's not. We doubled the price of our company overnight. Oh. All right, let's move on. So Thomas writes, uh, "Hi, RFN crew. Uh, remember Nintendo's quality of life initiative? Remember how Nintendo was supposedly going to leapfrog their competitors in consoles, mobile, and wearable tech, and swim in the blue ocean of non-wearable life enhancements? Remember when James Jones wrote a multiple-page article for NWR attempting to decrypt Nintendo's vague statements on this new business venture?" Good times. No, what, do you, <laughs> what do you think happened to quality of life and non-wearables? Do you believe Nintendo ever made serious plans in the space, or was it all just a sideshow to distract investors from poor Wii U sales? Is it possible that James spent more time thinking about quality quality of life than Nintendo did? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it is possible. Yes. I don't. I don't. I think they've thought a lot about it. I think they've they've, they've probably poured a, a fair amount of resources into it. Um, you know, and it seems to be a recurring thing. You could go back even to the Vitality Sensor 
uh, on Wayne that was aborted and all that, you know, they seem to like this idea of sort of tying it into, you know, your health and all this kind of stuff, you know, some kind of product tying into that, but they also seem far too quick to share their thoughts on it before they've actually got a product they can bring to market. Well, I think uh, that goes back to the investor stuff where it's like, no, no, we're doing other things. We have this quality of life plan. Cause everybody had that sleep sensor thing yeah that, that yeah. was was news for a while and then disappeared off the face it was kind of, the of offered as an example to some extent of, of, of you know the kind of thing they were looking but at there was uh, there was a business deal involved like there was a, another company named a partner yeah it's so like, it, it they must have got pretty far down that road that's what i say you know they have poured resources into it they have thought a lot about it but i think there is probably some validity to the notion that yeah they've you yeah, brought it forward um, you know, probably ahead of, of, of where it should be in terms of public prominence, in terms of talking about investors. Because, you mean like the NX or the mobile games? Because you know, times have been tough elsewhere. You know, if, if things had been going better. Although, I mean, with the Vitality sensor, to be fair, when they spoke about that at E3, everything was going great. That was, we, DS, was all gangbusters. That was just because of the whole, oh, you know, Sony are going to have what would become um, the uh, move, you know, and, and then there was Connect or Project Natal, as it was known at the time before that E3, you know. So that was kind of trying to cut. So, oh, we've got new innovative stuff too um so yeah. i guess that was a little different uh but yeah you know i don't think it's gone away totally uh, by any means i think no, uh, I, I think it's I, perfectly possible that eventually one of these sorts of projects that they've had cooking in this department will actually make it to market and this is not unusual for nintendo to do experiments and get pretty far and, and then just can them but i would say that it's a, it's a much more competitive field than it was even when I wrote that article three or so years ago where I had a whole paragraph about, hey, this is a hyper-competitive field. <laughs> yeah. So they might be better off just buying a startup. But I don't know. Well, I, I would not expect to hear anything about it anytime soon. You know, with their licensing deals, with their they're their working on starting a production house for, for animated content. Yeah, they've got, got a lot of irons in the fire as it is. Yeah. But, you know, Nintendo does like to circle back around to ideas they think have something in them. So, you yep. know, don't. Right. Uh, like they experimented say, not... with 3D displays uh, with Luigi's Mansion and the GameCube. And yep. they experimented with uh, the, the motion controls in the GameCube. And, uh, yeah, we might see uh, that coming back around. But I, uh, I will continue to think about quality of life stuff less than Nintendo has been. On my part. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Next email. And this is actually a twofer. So these two go together. Hello. Uh, Martin from Edinburgh writes, Hello to all, especially John and James. John, who's not here. Who appear to be talking, taking a Nintendo fuel drive into the abyss every week. As an aside, can you two get back to messing up now playing again? Hey, it's it's not messed up if it's designed to be that way. Uh, with that in mind, I'd like to ask you a two-part question. Firstly, what would be either an existing feature you would like to see carried over to the NX or a feature that you think should be added? Personally, I think Nintendo have made great strides in their, with their shop layout, especially on Wii U. Secondly, what current gen feature do you think has no place on the new console? I think Miiverse has kind of a, uh, died and would like to see Nintendo push onto more established social, social media, be it Twitch streaming or posting to Twitter. 
And then Hendrik's email is covering a lot of the same ground. Yeah, Hendrik writes, GameCube's analog triggers, for example, never got carried onto future controllers, even traditional ones like the Classic Controller or the Wii U Pro. Since NX is thought to be the successor for both Wii U and 3DS, I'm interested in hearing your speculation on what ideas from those two systems will make it onto the new platform. Miiverse, StreetPass, Warbrower Plaza, Home Themes, Badges, TV... Uh, or anything else I'm not think, thinking of. <laughs> TV, that's facetious, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh my so, so if, if Hendrix's email start, start, sounds like it starts, in, you know, irrespective of nothing. He in and progress. Martin, he and Martin we join both, Hendrick already in he progress. He and Martin both kind of had the same intro. So I was like, <laughs> well, he, Hendrick gives us a list. So let's get his list in there and we'll kind of combine the two. Um Right. So, so do any of us think that the next system is not going to have a touchscreen? I think that's kind of a slam dunk. Yeah, I think at this point it seems quite likely. Um, yeah. I, I, I let's let's talk about Miiverse briefly. I actually love Miiverse, and not yeah, I like Miiverse. I mean, not, obviously, I would say maybe, that maybe not ironically, on... mostly, but like there's <laughs> some, there is something about Miiverse that occasionally where I've got some real stupid nonsense. So let's go into the Miiverse and, and have fun with it. Um, during the the night flight through the horrors of the eShop, like that was, there were there were a lot of Meverse posts during that stream where I would just stop and go, no, I no, this this is a problem. Um, but but the the Meverse being on uh being added to the 3DS, I think, kind of uh, signaled the death of the note taking program. That the 3DS oh, yeah. has. Swap, swap Note, uh, well, we got canned uh, as well, didn't it? Swap Note, that? yeah. Swap Note got canned. Yeah, yeah, but not just that. Stuff. Like, there's like a, an integrated feature in the 3DS. Oh, yeah, where yeah, you can yeah. Take no, notes yeah. That, that was in there from games. the start, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think that was the death knell for that feature, and it's not coming back. That that one, I'm pretty sure about. And I, I think that there might be kind of like an improvement on Miiverse. Like, I, I think that yeah, they're going to keep... Yeah, I think that's, that's the main thing. You just want it to be, like, better integrated with everything and whatnot. But, you know, I, I like it. I, I like the feature. You know, it's always kind yeah. of interested to see, you know, what games are kind of uh, provoking a lot of reaction from people. And especially now that, you know, like, they've got the thing where in your feed you can have, um, like, see what people on your list have been given yes to it kind of mm-hmm. gives you a sample of the but for someone like me who's not going to spend a lot of time like trawling through Miiverse posts it gives me a sort of sample of the sort of thing that's going on in Miiverse you know whatever it might be right. like, you have the cool artwork or whatever yeah and at some point Nintendo changed the Miiverse to add kind of like gaming journals or things like yeah. that kind of like your, your play, personal your play notes. journal yeah, so um, I, I think that they're going to keep going that direction, kind of give uh, Miiverse more features, more flexibility, like more options if you're asking a question to people, like if you're yeah if you're stuck in a game, kind of like being able to be more specific about where you are, like more than just a screenshot. Perhaps like you'll be able to include more details about where you are you are at in the game and and things like that. So yeah, I, I'm definitely. I definitely think that we're going to see some sort of uh, Miiverse like thing, and the whole the sort system. of showing off your stamps business, you know, as well, <laughs> the uh, kind of like their version of achievements. A lot of the time, mm. I think is uh, you know, these kind of. You think that's going to be more uh, integrated and shareable and. Yeah, is that, is that's what I would hope. Just, just that you know, they 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 just weave it into the fabric of everything a bit more, um, and then maybe you won't be 
so desperate for the, but the social media kind of stuff. But I mean, I, I, I haven't got a clue about any of that, so I'm not really the right person I'm to speak o- to it. I'm okay with with Twitter integration and Twitch integration and whatever built in. Like it would, it's not a it's not a deal breaker either way for me. But I wouldn't want to see it in lieu of of the continuation of the hot nonsense that is Meverse. Like I don't right. I don't see why it has to be an either or. I mean. Every device I own, for the most part, has Twitter integration. I can just pick up my phone if I have to make a thought about the latest Wii U game I'm playing. It's fine. Or my laptop. Or by any other console that has Twitter on board. It's like, it's not a big deal for the for that stuff. For me, like super for me, the feature that I really want to see is just the ability to actually have my device, assuming it's physically capable of this, connected to my internet via a wire and i know that seems (laughs) hyper reductionist but like that is not happening there's so much shit in my house that's on wi-fi at this point that like i have to worry about the channels and it's it's kind of a kind of stupid and it would be nice like the wii or the wii u having wi-fi built or having wired network built into it would have been great because they sit they literally the wii actually used to touch the router. They were next to each other. Like, they were literally <laughs> holding each other up. But I couldn't make them talk to each other, so they just they just sat there, and it was There's fine. There's an adapter, right? There is an adapter. There is. But it's like, just... I know it's not going to happen, but God, I wish, I wish. Just... just mm. it, it would be nice just to have that and be able to use my internet. But if I had to say something realistic, I want... I. I, I have serious doubts now, but I really will miss two screen gaming if it goes away. Mm, yeah, that's true. <sighs> yeah, I can't imagine playing like Atrian Odyssey without two screens. Yeah, yeah, it, it just that, there's so many. Real, that's a really hinges on it. That particular yeah. Color. I mean, I'm yeah. thinking mostly having not played an Atrian game, I'm thinking of just like the convenient stuff, like the you know the, the Majora's Mask and Ocarina remakes, and you know when you're playing a Metroidvania type of game, you know that kind of stuff, having the map there all the time, like all of those things are re- really cool. We've kind of feel cumbersome to go back. But especially because you know, Wii U has provided you know that kind of stuff on a console at the same time that we've had it you know for the second handheld generation in a row. Um, but yeah, so just that stuff going away would hurt. But then yeah, there's the stuff that actually really more actively leverages it, like an Etrian Odyssey. Hmm. I think that we'll see gyroscopes again. There's no reason to get oh, rid of them. Like yeah. I, every. So many devices have them now, and you've got them in uh, PlayStation 4 controllers and Wii U controllers and the 3DS and your phone. Um, it's only, I think, the Xbox that doesn't have them out of sheer stubbornness, I guess. <laughs> but, like, the Steam controller has them, even though uh, Valve, you know, railed against... Or didn't rail against, but they were like, yeah, we don't find motion controls interesting, but they still put a gyro in there. They sure so, did. Um yeah, I think we'll see that feature come back when it's used well. It can it can very much enhance uh, oh, controls. Yeah, definitely so, see that with the aiming. Uh, yeah, that's the point that I was making earlier on. Um, I mean, I I hope uh, they'll find a way to keep Street Pass going, and I think you know the <laughs> um, the, the the new update for 3DS and all that kind of you know 
he could take it either way, really, but maybe it's a good omen in that, you know, they're still thinking about the you know, ways to kind of improve Street Pass and all that. But I guess, you know, there's so many unanswered questions in terms of the form factor of the device and, you know, could there be a, a way to sort of do it, you know, more remotely or, is it, you know, in terms of having some little thing you could carry with you that wasn't the entire device um, that, that could, uh, you know, sort of give you the ability to do Street Pass functionality. I don't know. It's always going to be something that's more of a priority for Japan, but of course mm-hmm. they are very Japan centric. So I kind of feel like uh, you know there's still a decent chance that they'll try and find a way to continue it on this new device, however much of a successor or not it is to, to the 3DS. Fair enough. All right, we need to be more fucking thunderous. So let's thunder through to the next email. And the next email is from Kyle, who writes, listening to the latest podcast today. I had a thought. The surge of announced 3DS games was unexpected, as it seemed more likely that Nintendo would wind down support in preparation for the NX. The consensus on the podcast seemed to be that they want to keep 3DS alive at the same time, at least for a while. But is it possible that the NX could get delayed again into the next financial year, and they're trying to plug the gap in their financial results for 2016? Who knows? Maybe they'll announce the NX at Tokyo Game Show in a week. But with the mystery around NX, woo-woo, this <laughs> close to the supposed launch, it wouldn't surprise me. Keep I up. Think you're, I think your phone is pronounced, wee-wee, <laughs> I, I know what he's going we for, but it, I decided not it. to. If, you're gonna get, if you want me to enunciate that, you have to spell out the whole song. Um, <laughs> so they will not announce NX Tokyo Game Show. End of discussion. Not worth having a conversation on because they're not there. They don't well, have any... Well, they've done something sort of in conjunction yeah, but before. The, the, the Wii Remote was around that time. Right, it know, was. When, but when they, they also... 2005, more than a year ahead of when that console was yes, going Yeah, but... Like, I would say that the, the... We're talking about, like, is this, you know... it's Let's say it's February or March. You're still six months out. We're saying, is, is, is it too little time? But Apple announced the phone that comes out, like, tomorrow... Sony announced, oh, sure. yeah. Sony I mean, announced the PS4 Slim ones. and then said, oh, and by the way, Hong Kong, it's on sale in your market right fucking now. Mm. <laughs> like, I mean, look, it, it, it is different. Like, you know, that, that six months is very different to, to have so little idea of what it is, um, you know, as we it's... do now, and then for it to be on sale six months. But yeah, I think it's possible. But, you know, to the direct question, it is, it is possible that they're just going to miss on that oh, totally, I, mean, yeah. I mean it would be a bitter pill to swallow wait no we just talked about they just uh, did it with one of the mobile games exactly i mean it, 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 you know it's not something they want to do it's something i think they really really work hard to avoid if they possibly but, could and i don't think that you know like this two that these announcements that they've made um, are really gonna do much to plug the gap of the revenue they would get from launching a console, um, no, especially and- if it performs anywhere near you know as well as they would presumably hope that it would. Um, I mean, the only saving grace, I guess, might be that there seems like there could be more of a bump out of the Pokemon bubble than they would have thought. Um, you know, the the, the spillover effect onto their 
the 3DS sales and the sales of Sun and Moon and all that kind of stuff that might you know make up for that shortfall bit, so maybe it wouldn't be as terrible. But yeah, I think it would be it would be a tough pill to swallow for them to do it, but they could do it. I wouldn't. It w- you know, I still believe, and it was in the predictions we did at the start of the year. I believe it will make it in time for that fiscal year deadline because that is a deadline that's a hell of a lot more of but, a thing uh, to cross than it is for the holiday um you know t- in terms of the ramifications with investors but it's it, it can happen but Don't i would say yourself. that i would say that it's not likely that they're using this to um to pad that because they would have had to have known a while ago they were going to miss and they've they've kept consistently holding to that date and yeah like so these three DS games weren't just made like somebody didn't just wake up and go, Shit, we need to announce like six three DS games, go. And like somebody went into a back room and said, Okay guys, I finished I finished porting Woolly World to three DS. Like Right, I pressed like, the button uh, for the Wii U to three DS ports. Right. Like the, these things were, were were in progress for a while. So I, I think realistically, they just want to have, you know, whatever Whatever the hell NX is, they want to let that thing build up its install base because it will take time. Even and if it's, it's not, a and also product. it's just its success is far from guaranteed. We've already, right. you've mm. already seen this, you know. So, but they, at the very least, they they need time for that thing to build up to build up its momentum. But the 3DS has an established base that they would be dumb to just cut off cold turkey and say like, we're not giving you games anymore. That's a source of revenue, and I think it's most telling because so many of the games they announced are ports to 3DS, or are, you know, or or some other way are you know not necessarily the big expensive um, development effort. Right, the delayed, you know, uh, localizations and things it's like a, that. Yeah, it's about getting you know, it's about getting content out there that people can buy. That is the most important thing. And it is, and that's where you have people who can buy stuff ultimately, because that's where an audience is that will buy it. That, that that's where the audience is to whom you may sell these things. So, um, I don't I don't think it's it's about them looking over their shoulder and going, "Hey, guys, the NX isn't really coming out in March." I think it's much more just. No, cold. I, I wouldn't link them that directly. No, it's just I, it's just I, cold I, 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 calculating. But I wouldn't discount the possibility that, oh, that no. it could happen either. Absolutely, because I mean, mm-hmm. not that you know, it's all the will in the world. Sometimes in the Nintendo, they just they'll have, you know, they can't get it done. You know, they just yeah. like, whatever and, and they announced they've like, got. They 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 were, you know, ready to announce a long time ago now that they would not be making kind of like a holiday release date. I think that they might be willing to just push it to. Yeah, like maybe like the next holidays or something. Like they to to make to 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 release their product in a, a period where uh, it's more likely to succeed. Maybe I I feel like that's pretty far. That's yeah. Far. yeah I, I think that that but uh, you know like I said I wouldn't discount it altogether because um, yeah. you know they just have not got the best track record with this stuff and given the concerns about having an adequate lineup to go with it. Based on you know the, some of the difficult launches they've had in the past, you've got that 
you know, you've got the hardware issue and the software issue. So, um, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I think it remains a possibility, but I would still favor them, you know, maybe, you know, it leaves some things to be desired that launch squeezing in the fiscal year, which could have uh, longer term ramifications, but well, and I, I'd still favor them squeezing it in. And potentially that means that all any, any availability issues it will, will be sorted out by the time holiday rolls around. There'll be an install base to whom you may sell software, and you can then still have that first holiday season of sales. So basically, everyone who buys the system at launch gets pack picks, and then yeah. you know, you've know you got the <laughs> Nintendogs for the holidays. Yeah, I mean, else. hey, pack picks is a classic game to talk about, and Ping Pals is sort of a, a historical marker against which all games are judged. Are you pre or True. post ping pals? And and right. that's that's an important metric because gaming changed after <laughs> ping pals because many people stopped gaming after ping pals. <laughs> All right, Craig, we read the next email. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Anta writes, uh, Hey, I recently hijacked a different Nintendo-based podcast into becoming a beer podcast, so I thought I'd try the same with you. What are your favorite kinds of beer? Wow, just just right at it. Um, we've we've actually had this question before. It's, we, uh, it's back back huh. in the old, old early days of us doing this. I think when James was editing every week, actually, so early, um, we had this question before, and you, you probably would do better to just find my response then because I've barely had a drink since, basically. Oh, <laughs> so. um. I uh, I'm a big fan of like Dunkel Lagers, like just just like a darker German beer, malty that I can just sit there and session drink for hours. Um, there recently has been a the Sam Seasonal has been kind of in that vein, although not that, and it has led to at least two nights of like I get my bill and go, oh god, that's not what I meant to do, but yeah, that's that's sort of my thing. Not not so malty that it's that it's like drinking sugary stuff, but like a, a kind of a nice mellowish malt to it. And it's enough that you can just kind of sip it for a while and ram through four or five of them and then, but not be just pissed drunk at the end of it. Hmm. I don't really know much about beer. I just, when I drink, I, I don't know, like I get whatever red or blonde, uh, like local brewery thing that they've got. Um, but I've kind of, uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've had a beer just because I've realized that it makes me drowsy as hell. So mm. I, I just, I, I really, uh, I don't know. I don't like the way that it makes me feel, but it's not like I haven't gone straight edge or anything. I just, uh, I guess I'm waiting for, for, uh, the Canadian government to finally legal, legalize marijuana and, uh, you know, <laughs> get access to something that, that, that's more, you know, better than beer. Guillaume, Guillaume, as we, we all need to stage our intervention for Guillaume now. So, um, next, next, Come on, email, Justin. next email, please respect your promises already. Oh God. Um, our next email fucking stoners. Lemonade writes, hi, RFN hate to break up the RFN NX email hour. How but did I got you a question. know that that's not what we're talking about? That's every week. Uh, my parents didn't like my gaming as a hobby. To placate me and my siblings, they bought an Amiga computer and said we could play games on them when they weren't using it for actual work. That said, my father didn't want to spend the money for the software, so he at the time would do one of two things. 
one, purchase a game, make a copy onto a new floppy disk, and then return the game to the store. Two, borrow my uncle's games and make copies of their copies. I quickly obtained a treasure trove or festering pile, depending on your perspective, of games that I devoured, such as Bad Dudes, International Karate, Turrican, and Marble Madness. That said, it was obviously questionable for them not to purchase the software. The question is, what are your experiences with quote-unquote moral gray areas in video game purchasing or usage? You can just say it was a friend of yours if you don't feel comfortable outing yourself. Well, that's convenient. I'll lead. Um, So the DS is sort of a treasure trove of games that never came to the West. Um, I have imported about five or six DS games from Japan. Um, I have sampled a great many more of them with the with the respect of a flashcard, but I have never actually bought a game or used a game that was available in this market on one. Um, it's just it just isn't something that like I'm okay doing in that case. Like that's a little bit bridge too far, especially because a lot of DS games now cost nothing. But you know, if if you're not going to give me random fucking nonsense DS from Japan, like I'll I'll find a way. Um. But that's kind of like even then I kind of feel like oh should I just should I just buy the game anyway um, and probably yes I probably should have just bought the game anyway but to some degree it's the game is not available or it's just hard to get someone to send it to you from Japan um, if it's a game that's commonly imported like uh, Owen Dawn two it's fairly straightforward um, Tales the Tales game that I imported I'm blanking on which one it was. Um, was fairly straightforward to get somebody because it was fairly readily available. But there are other games that just didn't really hit the import scene, and therefore there just aren't that many of them out there. Um, so yeah, like it was, it was easy to get. Actually, it was surprisingly hard to get Ace Turning Investigations too, but I did it. Um, but that's the kind of thing where it's like, well, maybe this is a tricky thing to do, and I'm just gonna engage in my moral gray area, and that's fine. <laughs> but at the same time, like I do kind of feel a little eh, about it. Yeah, I, I growing up we had a 10D 1000 mm. and basically almost none of the games that we had were uh, legitimately bought, but it was not my computer, it was my brother's and uh I mostly like yeah, he was mostly the one using it. So I did play copies of uh, pirated games but i was not the one doing the pirating and uh so i'm mostly clean in this uh scenario. if you're listening if you're listening the uh electronic software association contact my brother i'll tell yeah. you where you can send the bill but yeah like more more relevantly yeah i haven't really been pirating uh on, on ds at all uh even though it seems like it was uh uh, easy to do and i kind of regret not getting a flashcard when it was more easy to get one um but uh, because sometimes, yeah, like I, I'd like to be able to dig into kind of Japanese releases and and things like that. But uh, overall, like I, I I do have like a, a pirated Wii, uh, a hacked Wii, where I I did download emulators and I downloaded uh, ROMs that I I never purchased. But most of the time, I am kind of too busy with my own backlog to start actually playing <laughs> I'm these. Too busy to, yeah, to play these games. I it's it's. I've always kind of been in that position where I felt I had enough to play to not bother with like just playing a bunch of random stuff off 
emulators and uh, the whole you know using a keyboard back in the back when it was a novelty in the 90s right right yeah. so the whole keyboard thing put me off uh yeah. so yeah I've, I've basically done no pirate and the only response i've got to this question that's kind of accurate in a literal way is that you know importing games back when we was importing super famicom and stuff was literally called the gray imports that's what it was called. It wasn't the black market because, you know, it was legitimately being bought and sold by suppliers and retailers and stuff, but it wasn't the official channels. So it was, that's what they called it, the grey import scene. Mm. Um, you know, but uh, to whatever extent I was going to feel any sort of uh, regret for doing uh, Nintendo of Europe out of money was certainly um, dulled by the sense that PAL versions of Nintendo games sucked and our NES broke very soon after we had it whereas oh. my Super Famicom still works today so screw them no well regrets. I mean especially <laughs> the NES situation in Europe being so incredible in the UK especially being so incredibly stupid with the Mattel NES yes the Mattel then, NES which right. did, which couldn't play all NES games if you if you've never looked up the NES situation in the UK right around launch it's the fucking dumbest thing ever and it's it's a miracle Nintendo was able to re-enter that market at any point. So, <laughs> Tripon writes, So, I'm in my early 30s at the moment. When I was young, I could play video games from the beginning of the morning until I went to sleep and do it again the next day. Now, I have to take breaks after an hour or two because either my back starts aching or my hands start hurting. What does the RFN crew do in order to make sure they don't overdo it on the gaming side? Or are you hardcore enough to risk injury to play video games. I, like, almost <laughs> immediately. I, 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 the more succinct way to phrase this question would have been, are you past it? <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I took it to be. I'm so sad John isn't here to answer this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so the right situation is I, to prevent myself from aches and pains. From I mean, I have a job where I sit all day. And as, as counterintuitive as that sounds, sitting all day actually can hurt um, oh yeah so you know i i get up and i i walk around as i play games a lot um not deliberately it's just it's just something a habit i picked up when i was a kid which was hard when you had a cable attached to your system um <laughs> but um i'm just picturing you like instead of uh you know pacing back and forth speaking in a bluetooth headset you're just like on a game boy pacing back and forth oh, and actually, just, with, uh, with, with handhelds yeah totally i would do that um just <laughs> I would just kind of get up and walk around. Um, but I I get up every so often, you know, and I, I do a lot of ba- – like when I exercise, I do a lot of exercise focusing on back muscles because that's what you need to strengthen for that stuff. Um, now, that means sometimes my back starts to hurt before I even sit down. But, you know, uh, keeping, keeping fit and keeping active is a good way to prevent and to allow yourself to be able to sit a little bit longer and not, not hurt. And, hey, if your body's starting to hurt, it's it's probably not the worst thing in the world for you to get up and stop playing. But, you know, <laughs> um, try to find a comfortable position to sit in. Like, it shouldn't yeah. – an hour shouldn't, shouldn't yeah, be – Yeah, I think the only thing that happens to me every now and again that probably didn't happen when I was younger is just the fact that, like, every now – you know, I'll start sitting in a comfortable position. But then at some point I've – 
leaned in a little bit further gradually and gradually and sort of concentrating on the game. And then if I spend a considerable time like that, it might experience a little bit of discomfort. And only it's kind of thing you only know once the spell of the game has worn off, do you notice what's right. happened <laughs> to your body so much. But uh, no, it's I mean, I think I stopped playing in ridiculously long sessions before my body started to sort of age in that way. Yeah, but yeah, my, my attention span is not what it used to be personally maybe that's part of it maybe you're just mentally more exhausted my behavior uh, changed before my body did basically so yeah. we'll, we'll never know we'll never yeah. know whether you know i could have like the last game i can really remember just uh, being preposterously sort of marathony with was actually probably ocarina of time a long long time ago oh so um, like you know playing that into the little hours of the morning stuff you know like that so so when I started, like before I said yes to being on this podcast and editing it, I, I I was having, I was starting to get like for the first time in my life back pain. I was concerned about that. And I, I actually asked Greg in an in email, email, like, uh, what chair what do chair? you use? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, I was like, ah, I, I'm not sure if I can sit down and edit during the weekend if, uh, if it's... Uh, painful to you know to sit at work and then and all of that stuff but uh it's gotten better i, I i'd say uh to try upon maybe see a physio who will probably recommend some exercises probably like to strengthen the, the core muscles so you know you can start just like using your abs a little bit more to support your position when you're like sitting and driving and, and that kind of stuff and that takes away a lot of uh pressure um from from the back and, oh, totally. and so uh you're less likely to injure yourself. And as your abs get stronger, that, that actually is a pretty e- becomes a very easy thing to do. and actually becomes kind of a more comfortable way to sit eventually. Right. Um, uh, you know, the, the last game I played in big, long marathon sessions was when I had two weeks off and I was playing Xenoblade Chronicles X. And I was... Oh, yeah. I did, I did seven hours on, in one day. Straight, pretty much. And, you know, I didn't... Like I said, I move around a lot, but, like, I didn't stay in one seat either. You know, I... I have different seats in my living room. You know, I have a recliner I can sit in. I can put that in upright seat. I can recline it. I have a sofa. The sofa's got a hard back. And I just, you oh, know, I try to different... imagine in the time lapse montage. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> you just like, moving from one seat to the other. Pretty much, yeah. But, like, but, you know, going around Mira. That, that basically <laughs> allowed my body to be in different postures and use different muscles to support, support itself. So, you know, it. Movement is good for you after a little while because it may not seem like you're doing anything, but something is holding your body up, and it's not just the chair. So, you know, do, get, give your body a little rest every so often. It'll be good for it. Mm-hmm. All right. This is the last email, and we kind of already hinted at it. So, Greg. Okay, Chris writes, uh, hi, guys. I really enjoy all of the personalities on the show. But I'm a bit concerned about our French-Canadian friend. <laughs> I remember the fresh-faced enthusiasm he had when he was just a guy from the IGN boards, happy to be one of the gang. Over the years, his enthusiasm has leaked from him like a slow exhale after taking a long drag from a dwindling cigarette. Maybe it's just the accent, but every word he says sounds like he's stifling a sigh. I have come up with my own name for him, Ongi. He is, he is the embodiment of video game ennui. This phenomenon seems to be somewhat common among video game podcasters. Does coming up with things to say about games every week wear on you guys? Has your enjoyment of games lessened since you started podcasting? 
I hope you all enjoy making the podcasts as much as I do listening to them. I fucking hate video games. Wow. I don't know. I think this shows the... Ongi is amazing. I think this shows the fallacy, the sort of misleading um, nature of tone of voice. Because right. you know, Guy gets this letter, and I promise you, I am one of the three most miserable men alive today. Oh, that's... so you know, it's just don't be fooled by the tone of voice. That's yeah, I mean, the, the 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 amazing thing is, John doesn't get this letter, and John has openly said on this show, "I'm done with video games forever." <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't a hundred percent sure if he was joking or not, and he wasn't either. So it's like, really, Guillaume? Like, um. But- yeah, well, I've I've had that criticism uh, for the past few months, where apparently nothing I touched was seem I seem to enjoy. But that I happens, think that was though. kind I- of a yeah, well, that that was kind of a coincidence because I decided let's dig into the backlog, and I went for the games that I had picked up, played for a few hours, and then stopped playing. And I guess, you know, like, I, I didn't remember why I stopped playing them. It's because I didn't fucking enjoy them. <laughs> right. So it was kind of a stupid idea to go back to them in the first Inverse place. Inverse natural selection. Yeah. Natural yeah. deselection. So, I, I mean, so, so, yeah. I was going to say, there is, a, there is a certain drive being on the show that I wouldn't have otherwise of, I can't spend a long time on a game, The Last Remnant. Um, because I have to talk about something. <laughs> I have is what you're saying. Um, mm. I have to talk about something, or these guys will make fun of me. And that means that I've got to. If I get a long game, I either have to do my go against my natural proclivity, which is to play the game and just be dead lock focused on that game, and play other stuff on the side, or I have to just race through that game, or I just have to not play it. I have to just go. I can't play that game. I'm not going to have time. Um. So that means I have to bring in a lot of other content, and that means playing crap like Dracula knockoffs, like a Castlevania knockoffs. <laughs> like that's just that's just part of part of the deal because I have to come in here with something to talk about, and I don't want to talk about games that are just like the last game I talked about. So Vampire Master of Darkness somehow sneaks in, and that means sometimes <laughs> we end up talking about games we're not super enthused about, but. At the same time, when something like Ace Attorney 6 comes out, I almost didn't have dinner today because I was like, well, I'll do five more minutes. And I played that game for like three and a half hours. And then I had a podcast to record where I talked about it for another 20 minutes. Mm. So, like, yeah, it still happens. There's still the spark. It's just, yeah, it gets buried sometimes. Yeah, I I, I still enjoy games. It's just that uh, partly I think that... Perhaps I haven't. Been, I've been choosing some of the games I've bought poorly. There's also an element of uh, I've been kind of building a backlog, and it's kind of weighing on me. And I, I'm just uh, sometimes I, I feel what the pressure. What's going kind of... on about the bloody sunk cost fallacy? I would expect better from you. He he's just now getting into the acceptance phase of the stages of Lindemann grief. <laughs> right. Like I I I, I know. What's happening? It doesn't mean I don't do it, you know. Like it doesn't oh, mean yeah, that well, I, yeah, I, I'm good at, at putting practice what I preach. <laughs> but um, yeah, and there, there's also kind of an element of uh, sometimes like games are disappointing. Like you expect oh, one yeah, thing, and... you can't. You know, I mean, there's like anything, isn't it? I mean, I always kind of. I know what people mean when they say, "Oh, I really wanted to like this game or film or whatever." I know what they mean, but at the same time. Like, don't you want to like everything? Like, wouldn't it be great if you of like? If, you know what I mean? Like, oh you know, no, there I, there are absolutely movies I go into hoping I, are terrible, but that's that's well, different. You know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> I just 
you know, I would like to enjoy anything I set the time aside to to right. to experience because you know the I, I, the time I, is an is a is an asset I'm dedicated to it, so I'm looking for a return there. You know, it's like what what the hell do you set time aside? And it's like God, you know, I, I hope this feels like a complete waste of my time i just i i don't get that but you know the fact is not everything does live up to that no, you know like they, they, yeah. they, so, but then it wouldn't you know regardless of your age or whether you was podcasting or any you know i mean it, it, some stuff just isn't going to deliver for you it's just that that's the way it is but in general I'm enjoying games as much as i ever have myself yeah. I, I, obviously i'm just a few years without without the podcast and I'm back on it you know I've, I've, I've sort of hopped both sides of this and I've enjoyed playing games just as much uh, in both scenarios it's just, the, the, the more enjoyable part is just getting to talk about them right uh, like, for me that's quite separate but you know it's hmm. not like I'm reviewing games that's that's different you know that's, if you that's really, a different you know, where grind. you really were I try not to to do it too you know, to have it be too kind of obligatory, you know, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know we are trying to provide content for the listeners and all that. So, you know, yes, of course, that plays a role. But I would like to think that um, if I don't sort of force it too much, then it's more reflective of my natural gaming experience, which is more informative for people out there. Because they're not going to play stuff for obligatory reasons. They're not going to play Vampire Master of Darkness, but... They might. They're not enough to. Well, they're, they're entitled to. I, I, I sure. enjoyed it a bit, but you know, I, I just feel that that is, in that sense, you know, the more reflective uh, of of a natural kind of game experience I can be, the more useful I've been on the podcast. So I guess that that that's the, the approach I've had, and I think it's it's done okay over the years. I'm thinking about the fact this is a podcast, but not really, because I'm just talking to you guys about the game. <laughs> it's a conversational podcast. right yeah it's a conversational <laughs> podcast yes uh, but so like it's it's different it's not i don't have to sit here and give you a breakdown of the sound quality of vampire master of darkness it sucks there end of conversation but in a review i do need to dedicate time to talking about how does it sound how does it look it's a master system game show i'm doing game gear like I, it's much easier to just sort of use tone of voice and use yeah, just, inflection it can can do a lot. Right. But, the, and, but, and uh, so it's one thing I always one of my biggest problems with writing reviews is it would take me so many words to kind of get across what I could do with my voice uh, a lot quicker. I I really was bad at that. Yeah, yeah, I I would I would point you to my review of uh Miami Nights versus when I talked about <laughs> it on the show because in 10 minutes on the show I made perfectly clear what the fuck that game is. But in the review, you might walk away and go, well, I like The Sims, maybe? It, it, no. No, it's a bad game. And, like, me giving me giving anecdotes and you guys reacting to them and asking questions allowed me to sort of express more about the game and more, more you know, and really give more detail than I would in the right places. And it's more fun. It's more fun to talk about than it is to write. I mean, writing reviews, some people like it. But generally speaking, is not a lot of fun. Um, talking about games, doing the show, is a lot of fun, and mm. and that's the difference. Yeah, and uh, my my favorite 
part of the year doing the show is still uh, doing the top five because then you can just gush about a game and oh yeah <laughs> sometimes i'm bad at that i'm just going to be like of course there's like this nitpick and that nitpick but but yeah overall like i you know i still prefer like gushing about the games that i really enjoyed that year if anything like it, it sure doing a podcast can wear you out but if there's any part of it that does it would be um kind of having to have an opinion on everything like right. every little like business decision and stuff. I, some, <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I, I miss... don't bloody know, do I? What are you asking me? Am for? I, am, yeah. To quote and, myself, am I obligated to care about Super Mario Runner? It's... Right. I kind of miss sometimes being able to do that. Like, uh, but I, I want to, you know, do the show right. So I, you know, I should try to formulate an opinion. But I'm more, much more like of the uh, temperament where I want to be. I just want to go along for the ride, right? Like yeah, I, I'm just oh. like I just want to watch this Nintendo Direct. I, th and... I think we should be innovative in the audio space and just have a sort of temperate takes segment. Where I'm not really interested. Yeah, maybe, yeah, could be good, could be bad, couldn't it? Yep. Well, yeah. that's the end of that topic. That's just. You know, it's all this pressure to have a position. I just, How do you think the fabric textures are going to come out in Wooly World on 3DS? I mean, Poochie's in it, so it'll probably be okay, I guess. I mean, yeah. yeah. Temperate takes. Temperate takes! <laughs> Temperate <laughs> no, no, I, think, I think it needs to be far, far more benign than that. Temperate takes. Like just... uh, no. <laughs> it's a fact, yeah, yeah, you want to do it. <laughs> Ring the beige alert. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think when NX comes out, we should just record two episodes, or when they announce it, we'll just record like the hot reaction and then like uh, the temper. <laughs> yeah, it, the the only thing I would point out, and I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, is sometimes games I like to play, games I want to play, I don't talk about on the show because nobody's going to give a shit about them, and that means I don't necessarily get to play them as much as I would like to. I would love to go back and play another Atelier game. I, I really enjoyed that game, but I can't justify it from the standpoint of the show. So I would need, and that game takes a bajillion hours. So I would need to kind of find a time where I've got lots of small stuff I can talk about and I'll play that. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it, I think people, people doing podcasts are by and large also just tired. There's one emotion I, I equate with this show. Sometimes it's tired and it, mm. And it, we all record say, it. just if you if you're audible for long enough, uh, you know, in terms of enough years of your life. I mean, the aging process happens, right? Basically, I mean, <laughs> I'm so tired doing this show. I had to stop drinking. I just I'm so I'm so tired doing this show. I had to start drinking. So, um, yeah. I mean, to your point though, I I started recording the show in February or January of '08. And I have been recording it with no break pretty much ever since. Like, I'm going to sound more tired than I did then because I'm eight years older than I was then. You're going to be on your third president soon. Yeah, like, at some point, like, there's not going to be as much energy in me as there was when I started the show. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's no stopping the wheels of time. That's right. Uh, uh, but that, speaking of stopping the wheels of time, we you know, I'm gonna say actually we did okay for Thunder because we got it through a lot of emails. We got we and we, a bit of news as well. With and Super news, Mario yeah. Thing. I mean, we yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the Thunder round where we're screaming at each other about next email, but it was a it was a more um, 
a more subdued thunder round. We'll call it like a, a distant thunder round. Um, <laughs> summer storm thunder round. So that does it for the gentle thunder round. Um, sounds of thunder, audio CD, white noise round. Um, you can send us your email to rfn at attendworldreport.com. Uh, just as a quick reminder, again, telethon is coming up October 15th. Be there. More info to come. And I don't think polling polling will probably have closed for our next retroactive. I'm trying to remember what the end date on it is. But next retroactive is coming up for our open world games. If the polling hasn't closed by the time this episode is out there, please vote. But I think it probably will have. I can't remember the close date. Um, don't stuff the ballot. Someone from, from the Montreal metropolitan area. You know who you are. I can see you, Guillaume. Um, your 13 votes for Bully are noted. And um, on that, it's time to end the show. Greg, what is our music for this week? As well, you might you might well ask yourself that question, James, because this is actually uh, your request. Although we had a number of requests for something uh, Phoenix Wright related. Uh, over the past few weeks and of course with a new game coming out in the series seems like an apt time to deploy but what we actually have is the uh, the main theme in the end from uh, Phoenix Wright versus Professor Layton uh, in this case uh, with GX did request the ending theme which is also very nice yep. but um, funnily enough I kind of felt like the main intro theme was more appropriate for to cap this podcast to end the show <laughs> yes how ironic but, the, uh, the end theme is a, is a melody so it, it, it goes for quite some time um, but the the, main, the the intro theme is it's kind of a nice mix of the two of like the intro theme from a latent game with the court themes and stuff from a ace turning game. It's very good, so I'm sure everybody can enjoy that right now. Alright. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>